Welcome to the Dangerous Men Podcast. This is Lowell Seashore, your host, along with my good friends and co-leaders of the podcast in Missouri, Johnny and Spencer. Our guests today are Molly and Sam. They are married, and we're going to talk about Dangerous Men and marriage. We're here with Sam and Molly. They have been married for two years. They've been dating or together for over five years. Molly is in her second year of PT school at SBU. Sam is a computer engineer. First things first, how did you meet? I will start with this one. We met through K-Life. So if uh, you've listened to Ben Salmon on this podcast before, he's the director of K-Life here in Bolivar. And so we both met at SBU, which is the college uh, here in town. And so K-Life gets leaders and uh, we help and do, do lots of ministry with middle school kiddos. So Molly and I were both assigned middle school. And uh, at the time, my, my eyes were not twinkling for her beauty, but, uh, but over time, they, uh, they twinkled. And how did you, Sam, get involved with Dangerous Men? Ah, it's a good, uh, good, good startup. So I, I was involved through Bill Walkup, who brought Dangerous Men kind of down here uh, to the university. There was a, a student from, from Minnesota in the PT program who ended up meeting with Bill. And so then Bill wanted to get a group together. And I actually had shared my uh, my testimony with my church, and so he had uh, he remembered me sharing, and he said, "Hey, I want to start up a group." So oh, that's cool, you know. I don't really want to be a part of it. <laughs> I don't want to have to share that stuff. And so, uh, but he he kind of he he bugged me, and he bugged me, and uh, and then I I came and joined. So it was it was it was awesome. So that that's where I got started. That was my uh, freshman year. And what happened? Well, Dangerous Men was really awesome. So for me, I I grew up in the church, so I I was very familiar with uh, with the Bible, and I had a, a lot of my friends were very spiritual. And there's in a sense a cultural advantage here in Bolivar because pretty much everyone's a Christian, so pretty much everyone knows their stuff. And I remember senior year of high school, just kind of thinking, okay, yeah, college is just going to be like high school 2.0, whatever, you know, who, who cares? I, I can't really get any deeper in my faith than I already am because, you know, I'm at the top. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, God, God loves a proud man. So yeah. he, he humbled me partly with a lot of the members in that first DM group. So there was, uh, I think I was the only freshman and then there were Oh, four or five other uh, juniors and seniors. And so those guys really just poured a lot into me through those conversations. I learned and I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks the most to me whenever I'm having intellectual conversations. And whew, those those boys brought some heaters. And so it was it was good. So we had we had great talks. So all, all of our DM times like started at six and we'd leave at like nine. <laughs> so yeah. it was really awesome. And so that that spoke a lot to me. It was really awesome to get to process a lot with those guys. And then Molly and I met uh, in November. Well, in November we started dating, so uh, that was that was really awesome. So I I knew or going into Dangerous Men, I was just really surprised with everything that I was learning. And at, at first, I kind of told myself like I'm not gonna date any girls when I go to college, uh, like until I feel feel ready. And uh, and man, the Holy, Holy Spirit does good work. So he he readied me up, and I'm, Molly and I just continued to grow closer as friends. And uh, with all the stuff that I was learning in DM, it was like, wow, I want to pursue a relationship with Molly and I want to you know, hang tight to this DM stuff because this is going to help help me do it right. And, you know, Jesus is really the center of our relationship. And uh, it's it's cool how he works and, and moves through you. What's your biggest takeaways from your time in Dangerous Men? 
So the biggest light bulb moment for me um, was the chapter on forgiveness. The, the big takeaway there is it really changed my perspective from forgiveness being a transactional, you do something wrong and boom, you just say the, say the little prayer and, and you're forgiven, whatever. And so that kind of always sat wrong with me. Like it didn't make sense why God would just always forgive people. Um, but we talked in that group and it's kind of been the, the definition that I've had since then, which is forgiveness is choosing uh, not to hold someone's past mistakes over their future potential. And that was a really big lesson for me because uh, it, it became less about this transaction of, oh, I've done something wrong, I need to go ask for it. But much more so that God is very involved in my life and he believes in my future potential more often than I do. And so he says, hey, I know that you've made a mistake, but I'm choosing not to hold it against you. So it's not the idea of, well, I forgive you and I'm going to forget it ever happened. But he actually knows that it's happened and chooses not to hold it against me. And he's when you repent and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I repent and I, and I have, I have a heart that like, Hey, I, I want, I want this relationship to be better as well. And so he says, I, I also want this relationship to be better. You know, what? Yeah. nice. So, yeah. so that's been really awesome because then that's helped in our marriage too, because, you know, we choose not to hold our past uh, mistakes or the other person's past mistakes against their future potential. So it's, it's this constant reminder that whenever you forgive someone of something, you are, uh, the, the etymology of the word for is a negative. So like forbid means to not bid something. So forgive is to not give something. So that kind of seems weird, but you're not giving that mistake more power than their future potential. So, you know, we just, it was cool because I, I saw that picture in Jesus' forgiveness of me. He, he chooses not to say, wow, you, you, you've messed up. And uh, I'm going to hold that against you. And, you know, there, there's nothing, nothing you can do. You can't be a good partner because you've, because you've lost it and because you've masturbated and stuff yeah. like that. So. Allegedly, when boys and girls like each other, sometimes they maybe cross some boundaries that they don't, didn't originally want to, and they find a way to rationalize it. When you guys began dating, what boundaries did you set and how did you maintain them? Um, we set boundaries in four areas. We did physical boundaries, intellectual boundaries, spiritual boundaries, and emotional boundaries. And that was really helpful because a lot of times I think in dating, it's like, well, as long as we have our physical boundaries set, then we're good to go. But there are boundaries that need to be put in those other areas as well. And so for spiritual boundaries, I'll start with that one. We definitely made it a point not to do like intense Bible studies together or anything like that because we just felt like that was something intimate for marriage. We did try to get involved in core groups that were co-ed so that way we would be able to be able to talk about the um, scripture and things like that together and spur on those conversations, but it wasn't in as intimate of a setting. And then in emotional boundaries we were just careful on like what we shared with each other and not sharing like everything with each other we had our friends that were of the same sex that we would share those things with and so that was really important to us and then in intellectual boundaries we were able to talk about school stuff and things like that and learn together and but again just be careful to not get too far in how much we shared and then physical boundaries we were very careful to kind of like make sure that we set it set the boundary like one step 
behind what we would have wanted to go towards, I guess, just to make sure that then even if we crossed that boundary, we weren't super regretting anything we did. So we made sure that whenever we set those boundaries, we both decided on them and it wasn't just one person pushing one way or the other because obviously physically you can feel in different places. What was the hardest boundary to keep? Um, I think the hardest boundary out of those four categories was definitely physical because it's just an easy one to like keep going on and you can easily justify, well, we're not doing what that couple's doing, so we're, we're not as not, bad as yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And so that was one that we always had to like reevaluate and be really careful on. And dating for three and a half years before we got married, that was a like significant amount of time because um, we had decided we weren't going to have sex before marriage. And so that was something that we kept really important to us. But And I would add in there, another part of the physical boundaries is it's really typical and, and common to have one person who kind of sets the boundaries and they're their role is like this kind of, you know, force field <laughs> blocker. So the other person has their advances and it's their role to say, hey, you're going, you're going past our advances. So like you need to stop. And so a reason that we wanted to make our physical boundaries clear is so instead of having one person, which is typically the girl in a relationship, is the guy just pushes as much as he wants until the girl says, okay, we can stop now. And it was like, I, I wanted to be straightforward in saying that, you know, this is, an agreement that we both like we both know where we stand on boundaries so it was also an accountability so that way if if we ever did cross boundaries it wasn't like a, well i'm just kind of pushing and you didn't say no yeah we definitely sat down for probably an hour or two and just talked boundaries so if anyone's in a dating relationship i would highly recommend taking the time to do that so molly at some point in the relationship sam told you that he had in the past and or was currently still struggling with masturbation and pornography what was your response to hearing that? What were you thinking? And then what what conversation did you guys have? Yeah, so he, I pretty much knew about it because he had kind of said that he was involved in Dangerous Men. And of course I was like, what is that? <laughs> so he um, had explained to me what that was. And so I knew going in right away, which was initially it is kind of weird to hear it. And it is hard as a female to hear it because at times it's easy for a female like I definitely would wonder about okay I wonder what he sees or what he looks at and I want to look like that and make sure that I'm that because that's what he wants and so it was a conversation that we definitely had to have but I'm thankful that I knew right away and he didn't wait to tell me because it was just helpful to kind of have that out in the open and then it was always an open conversation from there and so he never told me like anything specific um, but at times, if he was struggling, he had his fighting partner he could go to. And so sometimes he would just tell me, like, hey, I just need to talk to my fighting partner. And he would go do that. So that was really helpful. And having dangerous men in his life during our dating time was very helpful because it gave him good tools to use on how to fight. And so now, like, three years later, he doesn't struggle with any of it at all. And so we don't have that problem to you're already kind of getting into how DM has affected your dating. How has it then kind of stemmed into your marriage? You're starting to cover a little bit of that. If you want to go into more detail um, on how DM has kind of affected you guys. So in our marriage, Sam, as I said earlier, Sam doesn't really struggle with pornography anymore. Um, but we did, it actually did affect our beginning of marriage a little bit because he did kind of have to get over the fact that 
now sex is okay when we got married. And so that was a little difficult for us um, right at first. And so that was something that I didn't really expect to happen. And then it definitely was, we had to have a conversation of, hey, this is okay, you're allowed to do this. And so we worked through that together. Um, but the dangerous men just helped in marriage because he was able to fight back when and kind of learn the tools that he needed that then now he doesn't really struggle with it that much. So it's not something that we have to really deal with on the daily or anything like that, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> How would you say it? To... I, I, I concur with my wife. Uh, I, I would also add that having the tools of DM specifically renouncing lies, it's, it is a general tool which applies to all lies. And so mm -hmm. that was really helpful because um, kind of like Molly said, it, it affected the first week of our marriage because we were trying to figure out how to, how to do marriage and how to do marriage physically. And that was difficult because I was getting hit with different lies and different angles than I thought I yeah. expected to, um, you know, have a bunch of lustful thoughts flood into my head whenever we started to have physical intimacy, but it didn't happen at all. It just, I, it was just kind of like this mental block of just couldn't. You know, it was, so it was very difficult, and then that was really thrown off the mental game. And yeah. so, uh, it was really awesome to then, because we had talked about those tools and strategies together, we basically got to pray out all of those lies together. So that was another really big benefit of after I had gone through dangerous men and and knew how to fight. Sharing those tactics with Molly was really helpful because she. Your your wife does become your fighting partner at at some level, and kind of like what Molly alluded to earlier, um, as as men, it's hard to go in, into complete specifics with your wife sharing because, um, like Molly said, girls some sometimes will tend to you know that it can become an issue for them if you share because yeah. they they can have lies and truths, but at the same time, then you. She renounced those lies. So it's been really awesome yeah, because... Yeah, a lot of lies yeah, in we do. house. It's really yeah. helpful. <laughs> Usually at nighttime before we go to bed, we <laughs> start to having light conversations, which then divulge into us crying because we're sharing our feelings. And then we go, oh, are you believing any lies? Yes. And that's you and me crying. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> so, so it's really it's really good. So I, I, I think um, a, big, a big plus is that after... Jesus can help you destroy the powers of evil in your life, then you can help your spouse uh, also give those lies over to Jesus. And so it's really awesome because, like we talked about spiritual boundaries before, it's it's really easy to put yourself in the place where you want to be the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life, and that's that's not your purpose. So uh, you want to be an impediment remover and a and help them defeat the the lies and give those over to Jesus. So I, I think that's the biggest way that it's helped in our marriage. Yeah. I try to encourage everybody to share what you learn spiritually with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Because that's a mistake I made that I didn't share with her, you know, the journey I was on. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up being really, really difficult for her. That's pretty awesome that you guys do that. Sam, feeling guilt over having sex when it was then within covenant, how did you work through that? And what would you say to other guys who may be feeling the same thing or girls from all? Wow. Yeah. So I, I guess I should preface the, the type of guilt that I felt after having sex wasn't necessarily that it was like, oh no, I've done this dirty thing that's, that's bad. But 
it was more so that I just had this mental block of we haven't had sex before, and so I didn't know what we were doing. And for all of you married folk, you know, well, maybe you don't know, but it, it is, for some people, it's more difficult than for others. So for us, it was very difficult, just like physically, there's lots of timing and stuff <laughs> that, that you'll find out. So, um, but anyway, so because it was difficult, and it wasn't something we were expecting, that's what was throwing me off. So I was expecting, and I was kind of ready to fight against the the powers of evil to kind of like give me lustful thoughts, but instead the lies that came in were like, oh, you, you guys are never going to be able to like actually have sex, and uh, this is, like, you've had such a great relationship so far, this is the crux. Like, this is what the payback is, is that you're not going to be able to have sex. So uh, because I felt like we had a really strong relationship, and, like, we had kind of struggled with saying, like, wow, we were so chast for so long and here's our reward we can't have sex because we <laughs> don't know what we're doing and uh those were lies and we we renounced those uh, together which was super awesome and uh now we, we we have lovely healthy marriage times sex is very spiritual too and that was something that we had then were able to reflect on on our honeymoon it was like wow this has been very very difficult more than we thought but i feel so much more closer to you than i did in dating I felt really close to you in dating. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, is it worth waiting to have sex and why? I, I would say 100%. I think the biggest reason is that whenever you are having physical intimacy, it drives spiritual intimacy. In fact, this is just how intimacy works. Whenever you have intimacy, you build up more intimacy. So if you cook dinner together, that is the type of intimacy that you're building and it, your spouse will become more attracted to you. So whenever you do the thing that is the most intimate, then it drives a lot of intimacy. So sex drives intimacy physically. Um, but I, the other thing that I would say is really great about waiting is that there's there's a big safety in... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the, the nod from my wife, which means I, I brought up a good point. But there's, there's a big safety in knowing that, you know, we're not going to do this extremely binding act and binding i guess sounds really crazy but it, it's just it a, is a binding it is and and it's it's hard to understand that before you have sex <laughs> because yeah. once you do it's just like wow you are the only person i want to be with and it's it's so binding it's so intimate because you you see each other's vulnerabilities and also you're at a very vulnerable time so like for us you know what i mean so i i cried and that was very vulnerable um, but that's a memory that I have shared with Molly and she didn't make fun of me and she just comforted me. And it's crazy how that small act of not having sex and just her comforting me while I'm crying on the bed, that was more, you know, almost just as intimate because again, there's spiritual and emotional intimacy that's, that's tied up with that physical intimacy. And so it's very important to wait because marriage is also about a partnership. And so you want to have those those binding moments with somebody you know is going to stick around and and you know uh, not just stick around because they're not going to leave you but stick around because they they make the world a better place with you and so that's part of our role as married folk is to to help bring the kingdom of god together and to make the kingdom we're, we're married because we make the kingdom better with us married than with us apart and so likewise we we also then make the kingdom better whenever we do have sex because we're we're binding our spirits together and sex is also very very 
selfless, which is weird because that is the lie that porn gives you, which is that sex is selfish, that you, the primary object is released for you. When in fact, whenever you get married, like the number one thing you want to do is make the other person go. <laughs> and that's, that's really awesome because it's just this, like, I, I want to give myself up for you and, and it's really enjoyable to see you pleased. And so it's, it's actually way less of a selfish act and it's more of a selfless act. And so I think those, those are big reasons why you, you want to wait because it is, uh, one, it promotes a lot of safety because you know that you're with somebody who cares about the relationship and they're not just here to, you know, get a little something and leave because the intrusive sex really comes from that selfless act. So somebody else who is, who is interested in that. I was going to bring up the safety part too, the fact that if you do that act in covenant, there's a reason that it was created that way. And it just creates an environment to where you feel safe in your most vulnerable position. And so when you just give your body away to multiple people in multiple situations, it's just not the same. The two of you have a unique and welcome perspective being married for two years. We have we're generally around a lot of people that have been married for 40 years, 30 years, and it's nice to be around someone who's a newlywed and is still, you know, working through it. What do you wish you knew before you were married? I think some of the toughest things that we went through um, were came from unmet expectations, but unmet expectations that we put in place but didn't realize we had put in place. And so it was, uh, I, I think something that I would, that I wish we had known up front, which we kind of knew, but didn't know to the full extent, was that it's important to communicate. Communication, not just on like this level of, hey, like, how are you doing? But, <laughs> but communication on a level of, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, uh, Bill Walker has talked about how if you're in conflict, so some things that are helpful to say are things similar to, when you did X, it made me feel Y. And the language like that is the type of communication where you have been living single, or even even whenever you're dating, your mindset and your worldview has only ever had to look out for one person, which is not a bad thing. It's, it is important that you eat whenever you're hungry. <laughs> and so that's your body is selfish in that. You, whenever you're hungry, you, you go eat. Well, now you have another person to think about. And so you can't just go out to eat whenever you want because we planned meals and we already bought groceries. So uh, I, I think learning how to communicate on, on a lot of different levels was really important. So it's something that we knew, but we didn't know how much we would need to communicate. But the more important stuff to communicate is like the feelings. And so it's, it's things like, because uh, that's something you haven't had to communicate before. Whenever you did this, it made me feel uh, less respected. And so I, that's, that's why I, I acted out in that way. Because oftentimes you you don't want to say that thing to your spouse, but there, there's been something else, or there's been another influence from a power of evil. Just take it out on your spouse because there's another person around. So yeah. Because normally, you wouldn't be around them. You'd be at your home, and you just cope with the way that you cope. So, uh, but now you have another person, and you're around them 24-7. So, uh, yeah. I, I Unless know. you go to work every once in a while. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but then you come home from work, and yeah. like, yeah, yeah. it's like for me, like we like working from home and stuff, I would get really frustrated at my job, and then we'd come home and cook dinner, which, reminder, our first fight was cooking dinner. And so I, you know, I'm, 
we're, we're cooking, and I'm aggressively stirring the veggie pan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, As you should, the, the right way. <laughs> what's, what's wrong? Oh, nothing wrong. <laughs> and uh, so learning how to communicate all these things. Oh, actually, I had a very frustrating day at work. I, you know, if I could just vent to you about it for a couple minutes, that would feel really good. Uh, or actually, I'd need a lot of wisdom here because this person driving me up the wall, and uh, I would appreciate your help. And so those are really great things to communicate. A not great thing to do is just aggressively stir the pan of veggies and <laughs> get mad at your wife for not stirring them more aggressively. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Go to dangerousmenunited.org where you can purchase the book, which is a small group curriculum, and there's a lot of other resources on the website. And don't forget, be a man to man, a warrior to demons, and always God's boy.